Hello and welcome in to Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, Travis Corley. And after that dominating performance of the number 19 BYU Cougars, your Baylor Bears are ranked 20th in the nation. And BYU, welcome to the Big 12. Could not think of a better way to welcome them in than that domination. And we are now heading into a bye week before facing the Texas Longhorns here in Waco. And so I thought, what better opportunity than to have Bears Illustrated football recruiting expert Garrett Ross to join us and talk recruiting. We'll talk a little bit about the BYU game as well, but mainly recruiting. So here we go. Please bear with me. Does it feel nice to be bowl eligible? My goodness, six wins already? Played only seven games? Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? But your Baylor Bears, regardless of how the end of this season turns out, we are heading to a bowl game, and boy, am I excited. And we are going to talk about this BYU game, but before we get into that, a little bit, I guess, of a hot topic surrounding Coach Aranda, uh, surrounding the LSU program. Their head coach will not be continuing after this season. What does that mean for Coach Aranda? What does that mean for the Baylor Bears? First, let's hear from Scotty. So I do not think Dave Aranda is going to be the next head coach at LSU. I think LSU is going to go for a more splashy big-name coach. You know, they're going to offer like a guy like Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo's not going there. Uh, they're going to offer a guy like a Dabo Sweeney. Dabo's not going there. But you understand my point. They're going to go for some big-name, well-established head coach. Aranda's resume just isn't up to par quite yet for that job. With only a year and a half of head coaching experience at this point, I just don't think he's a big enough name for LSU, although I think that would be a good hire for LSU. And frankly, Dave Aranda would be crazy not to consider it. If Dave Aranda were to go to LSU, I would hope that we hire from within and make Joey McGuire the head coach and keep as much of the staff together as possible and keep it moving. Uh, you know, we didn't make that choice after rule. It looks like the right choice. I do trust Mac Rhodes, but I would hope that that would be our move if Aranda were to leave. But I think Aranda's head coach at Baylor next year, and I think LSU makes a splashy hire. I'm not sure Scotty could have said it better. Um, I agree with him on a lot of what he said. Um, do I think Aranda's going to go to LSU? Look, I'm not going to say no, but... If I had to put my foot on one side of the line, I would say that he's the head coach at Baylor next year. And first from LSU's standpoint, like Scotty said, they're they're gonna go after the biggest fish in the sea. Okay. Aranda is the beautiful, shiny, small fish that we all know him to be. But LSU doesn't want the small, shiny fish. You know, LSU wants the big whale. They want 
the great white shark, you know, the Jimbo Fishers, the Dabo Sweeney's, the Lane Kiffins of the world. And look, Jimbo's come out and he's already said he's not going anywhere. You know, take that for what you will. Dabo from Clemson, that depending on the way things are going down in Clemson, that could very well be a good option for Dabo just to get a fresh start. But, you know, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, Mario Cristobal at Oregon, Billy Napier from the Raging Cajuns, that's that's going to be a hot name right there, right in the state of Louisiana. He knows how to recruit in the region, and Billy Napier was who a lot of Baylor fans thought should should have been on the list, and maybe he was on the list, maybe he he did get interviewed. Um, and then Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, you, you never know there doing an excellent job there in Cincinnati. Now they're coming into the Big 12. Who knows when that will happen? Uh, the sooner, the better for Cincinnati fans getting into the Big 12. But I think Fickle could be another name there that, that LSU goes after. They they want to make a splashy hire. They want people to be talking about them. And from the Aranda standpoint, Scotty's, Scotty's right again. He, he really hasn't proven anything. I love the guy. Absolutely. I think he's going to do great things here at Baylor. And Honestly, he he's already starting to turn the corner, and but at the end of the day, he he's had one half of a season, honestly, and really hasn't proven anything. So I don't think LSU um, is going to go for someone that just doesn't have that experience. And you know, this isn't the the NFL, but there is a lot of pressure at that LSU job that you don't have at. 95% of the other programs. And one of those programs is Baylor. You know, you're not going to get that pressure to compete for a national championship every single year. Okay. Me as a Baylor fan, being a Baylor fan growing up, knowing how bad it was and how good it can be. Look, I just want to go to a bowl every year. Okay. I, I, I just want to go to a bowl and I want to look like a competent and good football team. That is all I want out of Baylor. And do I think, do I want to win Big 12 championships? Absolutely, okay? And that's what we're striving for and, and, and above and beyond. But you know what? Uh, conservatively, seriously, as a, as a Baylor fan, I am happy going to a bowl game every year and looking like a good team. So, I, you know, a little tangent there, but back to Aranda, I, I just think the pressure is too much at LSU, at least right now. And... I mean, what a good personality fit that Aranda has been at Baylor. And I think the, the family atmosphere and the culture that Aranda wants to have for the football team and the culture that the university wants to have as a whole, I think they, they mesh and they line up so well. And, and Aranda, I really, truly believe he wants to build something special here. So I, I also agree. He would be crazy not to consider it. Okay, but I think there are going to be some other names above him. And like I, like I said, I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say straight up that he's not going to go because money talks. Money talks and who knows what's going to happen. But look, I, I don't think Aranda's going anywhere. Um, if he does, then you know what? More power to him. That it, It's his life. He can do what he wants. And I, I don't even want to get into what would happen with us if he if he leaves um, you know, I don't even want to touch on that. But like I said, I don't think Aranda's going anywhere. And I think I think we should be <laughs> 
not overly confident, but I think we should be fairly confident that Aranda will be in the green and gold next year. All right, let's talk about this sailor rivalry, if you will. Not sure if I like that. I just came up with it. Actually, I didn't come up with it. Everyone was talking about the sailor rivalry, but I just said it out loud. I'm not sure if I'm sold on calling it the sailor rivalry, but I digress. That's what we're calling it right now. So here we go. I mean, another dominant performance by your Baylor Bears winning 38 to 24 and kind of like that West Virginia game where they ended up getting 20 points, you know, at the end of the game and really had 13 Kind of, the, kind of the same thing here. They they got a late touchdown or, you know, fourth quarter, third quarter, whenever it was, whatever. They were out of the game by the time that they scored their last touchdown. This, this was a dominant win. And now this is Dave Aranda's second win versus ranked opponents. Okay, that's something Matt Rule never did. He never won a game versus a ranked opponent. Dave Aranda now has two. And after the game, he talked about this being a standard win, you know, playing to our standard. And what he means when he says that is, let's not get caught up in the outside sources and the outside push and the outside excitement or negativity. Let's, let's be about us. Let's not be on this roller coaster of, oh, hey, we're winning now and everything's great to okay, now we can relax because we played well. Or or the opposite side of that coin and saying, oh, we didn't play well, so now we're going to be really excited and practice and motivated. And no, Aranda, this is, a, this is our standard. Everything that we are pushing for is coming from inside the team. It is coming from ourselves. And we are pushing ourselves to be a better team. That was awesome to hear from Aranda and just more evidence of how how confident I am in the culture that he's building. And I tweeted out this even that it just looks like this team is having fun. Like they look like they enjoy being out there together and they look like they enjoy playing for Dave Aranda and playing for this coaching staff. And that's just such a confidence booster as a fan. It, it, at least it should be. It is for me. And all of our touchdowns, we scored five touchdowns in the game. <laughs> this is wild. All of our touchdowns came from players who were linebackers last year. So Abram Smith was a linebacker last year, came in with three rushing touchdowns. And then Dylan Doyle. I don't want to touch on him too long right now because I'm going to touch on him later. Dylan Doyle had two touchdowns. And he is a linebacker now. So I'm excited to see what other formations, what other little tricks, if you will, that we're going to see from Grimes. And man, what else can this offense do that they haven't shown us yet? And also, no penalties. Zero. It, doesn't the game just seem so much easier when you're, when you're not giving the other team yards? I mean, my goodness, we've been struggling with penalties the whole entire year. And then we come out, zero penalties. I mean, that's fantastic. That was great to see. And the bare necessities this week was the trenches. Dominate 
the trenches, and boy, did we dominate the trenches on both sides of the ball, which we'll talk about throughout this little recap we got going here. But the hot topics of the game. There's three plays here I want to talk about that seem to have everyone talking, and so here we go. The, the first one's the fourth and four from the six. Uh, it was Gary's first interception of the year. And look, I like Aranda's aggressiveness to this point in the year. I am so glad that we are going for it a lot on fourth down. But I disagreed with this one. It was zero to zero. It was early in the game. It, you know, I know four yards isn't a lot, but when you're at the six yard line, things are so tight. Things are so compressed that it is much harder to get four yards. And I'm not saying that we couldn't have. And look, if we had converted on it, I, I might not be talking about it now. You know, this might not be a conversation, but hey, he threw an interception and so we're talking about it. You know, it was zero to zero. I really would have liked to see us take the points there early in the game and get some momentum going a little bit on our side. But as we saw, this was a complete momentum shift to BYU. There was another fourth down play, fourth and one, right before half, um, right after the onside kick, which is the next play I'm going to talk about. But the fourth and one before half, look, I, I was fine going for that one. I, but my one thing on that was I wanted a different play. I thought a, a Bohannon sneak was... I, I go back and forth on it because I think a QB sneak is 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 a good way to get some short yardage in that situation. But our offensive line, our running backs were being so dominant, so dominant that I wanted to see a handoff to Smith there to get the extra yard. I think we hand off to Smith, we get the extra, extra yard, and we get some points there before half. And then the onside kick. Whoo, the onside kick. I wasn't even watching. I was, I was checking Twitter on my phone, and then my wife just was like, oh my gosh, we onside kicked it. And sure enough, like we recover it and just uh, amazing timing in the game because they're about to get the ball back with about three and a half minutes. They can easily score in, in that amount of time. And then they're getting the ball back to start the third quarter. So we stole a possession there. I kind of almost stole two possessions because it looked like we were not going to get the ball back before half, but we end up doing and Aranda showing aggressiveness, aggressiveness again. And look, I, I think Aranda is still learning, picking his spots with aggressiveness. But look, I'll agree. It is just much more fun as a fan to watch us be aggressive on fourth down and on and on kickoffs. Like, did not see that coming at all. Obviously, the BYU team didn't see it coming either. Looking at our offense, the offensive line is playing so dang good. And I don't know what the offensive line coach of the year award is called. I don't even know if there is one. But if there is, Eric Mateos is number one on the list. This guy deserves so much credit for coming in here and revamping this offensive line. And the players across that offensive line deserve a whole lot of credit as well. They have been working their butts off. Like they know what the weakness uh, was of the team last year. They know they're not stupid. They've heard. And man, they have answered the call 
Over 300 rushing yards as a team versus BYU. No sacks. We only gave up two tackles for loss. And then Khalil Keith and Byers split time there at right tackle. I am still a big believer in Khalil Keith at right tackle. Maybe it's conditioning. I don't know. But I'm a big believer at Keith at right tackle. But look, if they end up splitting time the rest of the year, you're not going to hear me complain, especially if we're getting to 300 rushing yards as a team. And let's talk about those running backs, Smith and Ebner. We have the best tandem in the Big 12. I think I said it last week, but I mean, just confirmed it even further this week. We have the best tandem running backs in the Big 12. And I know I mentioned Abram Smith wanted to see him get above 20 carries, wanted to see him carry the load a little bit more. And that's what we got. 27 carries for 188 yards, almost getting to 200. I thought he was going to get to 200, but he just didn't eclipse the mark. Three touchdowns, averaged seven yards per rush. That is career high in yards, career high in touchdowns, career high in carries. I mean, he is becoming our bell cow back, and he loves to hit people. I, I am so excited when we hand the ball off to Abram Smith because he is hunting contact, and that fires up our football team. And then Tristan Ebner, 11 carries for 95 yards, 8.6 yards per rush. He's now got 490 yards, excuse me, 496 yards on the season. That is a career high. That's right. You heard that. That is a career high through seven games. For Tristan Ebner, 496 yards total. And I'm starting to see what I wanted to see to start the year. And that is lots of carries for Abram Smith and 8 to 10 touches for Ebner. He got 11 this game. And I don't, I am not sure of any other teams that have two guys averaging over six yards per rush on the year. I know of one team though, and that is us. At the receiver spot, I mean, no one had a crazy game, but that first half from Sneed was awesome. Again, I mean, made an incredible catch. I mean, it's hard for me to say incredible because he's had so many that have been incredible. So I'll just say a very good, tough catch for a first down. But all of his catches come in the first half. Six for 72 yards. Tyquan Thornton was our leading receiver. He had five catches for 84 yards. And then Gary Bohannon, we have been impressed with how he has taken care of the ball. He finally throws his first interception, which obviously we don't want to see, but that is new adversity for him to face. And it was early in the game. And he, it, he really could have let that linger, really could have let that affect him, but he played well after. He ended the game 18 of 28, 231 yards, one touchdown, one interception, three rushes for 10 yards. So that is the seems to be the stat line that we're going to get from Bo Hannon on most nights. And you know what? I'm okay with it. Let's talk defense here. And that defense starts with Jalen Petrie. And before I give you th my thoughts on Jalen, let's hear from Scotty again. Earlier this season, I said that I thought Terrell Bernard was the best player in the Big 12, and I was dead serious. Uh, but John Robinson has had a big year. Caleb Williams, emerging for Oklahoma, has challenged that perception. 
But I still think a Baylor defensive star is the best player in the Big 12. I think I might have just picked the wrong defensive star. Jalen Petrie is going to make Caleb Williams look silly when we play Oklahoma on November 13th. Yes, I'm jumping ahead a few games. But after what I saw this weekend, I think Texas and TCU, we are going to be favored. I think we deserve to be favored. I think we are going to be favored. And I think we should, if we take care of business, win both of those football games. And what that means is that it could be that our game against Oklahoma is a chance to get into a Big 12 championship game. And if so, Jalen Petrie, the recruit who stayed with Baylor, will be the reason that we get to a Big 12 championship game. Mark it down. You heard it here first. Thanks, Travis. Yes, Jalen Petrie, the one who stayed. Before we talk about Petrie, I'll touch on what what Scotty ended there. I know he's looking ahead, and you know what? It's a bye week, so we're going to look a little bit ahead of this Baylor schedule. I think he's right about Texas and TCU. We should be favored, and we should win those games, which would mean that that game versus OU in Waco might, might just be for a chance to get into that Big 12 championship game. And back to Petrie, though. I mean, barring injury, he should end up being the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year and maybe the Player of the Year of the entire conference. Against BYU, 10 tackles, 1 sack, 2.5 tackles for loss, 1 QB hurry, 1 fumble recovery. And that was just against BYU. Okay, on the year, here's how he stacks up with the rest of the Big 12 defensive players. He's got 34 solo tackles. That's second in the Big 12. He's got one sack. That's tied fifth with like 10 other guys. And the leader has three. So he's two behind the leader. Who's the leader? (laughs) Terrell Bernard, who missed a game. Wow. He's got seven tackles for loss. That's tied first in the Big 12. He's got one forced fumble. The leader in the Big 12 has three. He's got one fumble recovery. The leader in the Big 12 has two, just one more than him. He's got two interceptions, and he's tied for the lead for the most interceptions in the Big 12. He's got three passes defended, and the leader has six. So he is either leading or he is knocking on the door to be leading the Big 12 in nearly all of these defensive stats. So barring injury, I expect to see Jalen Petrie fill up that stat sheet specifically with sacks he's got what is it he's got one sack right now I think he can finish the year with four or five and if he can have four or five sacks and maybe get another interception I mean I'm not sure there's another player that could eclipse what he's done on defense I think he's going to end up being the defensive player of the year in the big 12 and Even more so why I think that is because of our defensive line. They are starting to play well. And once our defensive line starts to play well, that opens up for our linebackers, for Jalen Petrie, for Terrell Bernard, for Dylan Doyle, whoever it may be, Garmin Randolph, to come in there and clean up and get some sacks. Talking about our front seven, they played a, a great game. I mean, two great games in a week from our, in the last two weeks, from our rush defense. BYU had 67 rush yards. That's it, a 2.8 yards per rush average. Against West Virginia guys, we held them to 2.4 yards per rush. 
So if we, wow, if we can force teams under three yards per rush, three and a half yards per rush, that puts us in a great position to win football games. Five sacks, had seven tackles for loss against BYU. And prior to West Virginia, so prior to West Virginia, we had six sacks on the year. That was it. But these last two weeks, we have combined for 11 sacks, which brings our total to 17. And now we are tied third in the Big 12 in sacks. The leaders are Oklahoma State and OU, both with 19. Let's highlight TJ Franklin at the defensive end position. I have been so excited about this guy ever since I saw him come onto the field in 2019. He struggled with injuries last year, but he is here, and he is here to stay. Apu is a beast in the middle. Okay, he is coming along great. But now with Franklin coming on strong in that defensive end position, that just opens it up a ton for both of them to make plays. It opens it up for the entire defense now to fall in behind them and make plays because of these two guys, because they're such a big problem. But that strip sack by TJ Franklin, that move that he made was elite. Okay, we have not seen a lot of defensive ends from Baylor be able to rip on a guy like that and get to the quarterback that quickly. And then on top of that, had the had the wherewithal to knock the ball out, which, hey, Jalen Petrie recovered. So the strip sack, man, that move, I, I, I had dreams about that move. It was so beautiful. And then he added in a, a tackle for a loss as well. So TJ Franklin, TJ Franklin, keep your eyes on this dude. He's going to keep making plays for us in the back half of this year. And our defensive backs... Yeah, they had a rough game, okay? But namely, one guy had a rough game. We won't say his name. We all know who he is. But you know what? That's a tough position to play. And you know what? It happens. It happens, okay? And I don't think we need to be too worried about our passing defense, though. You know, Tejada is undersized at that position, which we all know, okay? But that doesn't mean that he hasn't been able to make plays for us, okay? I, I just think it was a very bad matchup for him against Nakua, who had five catches for 168 yards and a touchdown. And you know what? That's not all on Tejada, okay? Walcott came in and gave us a little bit better minutes. I thought he stood up to Nakua a little bit better. Nakua still did make catches on Walcott. So, hey, like, just give Nakua his props because that dude gave us all we wanted to have and more. I mean, that guy, wow. Nakua had a heck of a game, a heck of a game. Oh yeah, you know what that music means. It's time for the oh so good player of the game. And guys, quick and easy decision here. Dylan Doyle, I mean, defensively, four tackles, three solo, had one sack, had a tackle for a loss and a half. And then let's talk about offensively, one rushing touchdown, one receiving touchdown. This guy played a little bit of tight end, a little bit of offense in high school, and boy, was it good to see him get into that end zone, not one time, but two times from the fullback position. Are we gonna see him more at the fullback position? I sure hope so. And did this catapult his name 
into the conversation for first team all Big 12 fullback? I think it did because how many other fullbacks in the Big 12 have two touchdowns? Not sure. But man, the joy on his face and the joy from the sideline that came when Dylan Doyle scored was awesome. And I am so, so happy he found a great home here in Waco. I'm excited to see what else he's going to do for us this year. Dylan Doyle, we love you, man. We're happy to have you. And now, please help me welcome recruiting analyst for Bears Illustrated, Garrett Ross. Garrett, welcome in. Thank you for bearing with us today. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. And we brought you on to talk mostly recruiting, but I do want to talk about that dominant, dominant performance by the Bears over BYU this past weekend. Did you expect a little bit of a closer game? Were you a little bit surprised about the outcome? You know, I think before BYU lost to Boise, I, I was a little more concerned. I thought that maybe they had the edge. You know, they were the hot team at the moment. Um, but once that happened, um, I, I kind of felt the way Baylor was rolling at, at that time, that it would – I wasn't expecting them to be totally dominant the way they were, but I felt like they could at least – pull away with a, you know, maybe 13 point win. Uh, but man, it, I don't think the score truly reflects, you know, how dominant what we saw on the field really was. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even last, and, and even the weekend prior with West Virginia, they ended up getting a touchdown near the end of the game. So it looked a little bit closer than it was and kind of the same thing here, you know, be that second half, I really felt like BYU really wasn't, wasn't in the game. Um, and, and now we saw Gary throw his first interception of the year, unfortunately, but uh, I wanted to get your, your take on that fourth and four uh, about the BYU six yard line. I think it was zero to zero at the time. Did you agree with going for it there? Or would, would you have liked to see us take those points? I, me personally, I would have taken the points, especially in a game like that, where, I mean, it, it was looking like it was going to be a defensive struggle. Like at, at that moment, it was you need to get the points while you can, because we don't know how this is going to unfold. Um, but that's kind of the beauty of this this offense. And, and what Coach Grimes does is they are playing to win, right? Like they're, they're not playing to tie. They're, they're going to leave it all on the field. Um, you know, it just happened to be that that was a circumstance where it didn't work out in their favor. But luckily enough, that's where your defense steps up. And I think that's why they're so confident in, in making those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and that certainly could have been a momentum swing, a, a bigger momentum swing for BYU. But like you said, I mean, you, you, it, it's, always been the, it's always been the talk of like, well, you have a good defense, so you should punt it so your defense can get on the field. But we're also almost seeing Aranda as a defensive mind saying, no, let's be aggressive on fourth down because we have a good defense. No, that's very true. You know, in a situation like that, too, with Hankins being as lights out as he's been with the field goals, I mean, it's kind of a win-win a, a either way. Um, but it just shows to me the confidence that they have, the aggressiveness. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like you see in the NFL, a lot of times people complain about an analytical shift in the mindset of coaching. I don't know if this is necessarily necessarily on that same trajectory, but it's it kind of draws some similar parallels. Yeah, for sure. And you talk about the aggressiveness that, that Aranda has shown. That's certainly been a change from last year. But that onside kick, that 
man, that's something I didn't think uh, Aranda had in his back pocket. No, I think that was one that I know for me personally, it really caught me by surprise, but th that was the beauty of it, right? Like that was perfectly timed. Um, and he was asked about it in the post game and he was like, well, you know, we saw something on film where they could be vulnerable for it. And obviously, you know, having the coaches come over, Grimes and Mateos, that's probably something they were familiar with too in the alignment. Um, it, man, it was, it was beautiful. <laughs> that's really all you can say. Yeah, man. I mean, certainly shocked me. I wasn't even watching the television and my wife was just like, Oh my God, it's an onside kick. And I, I totally missed it. I didn't see the replay. So, um, and now Dylan Doyle, Dylan Doyle, man, he, he switches over has two touchdowns for the Baylor offense. I mean, are we going to see him get some more time there at fullback? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, right? Like, like he, he's had experience in high school before playing tight end, so he's familiar with that side of the ball. Granted, that's been a while since he's done it, but, you know, it's natural. Those instincts aren't going to leave you. Um, he's obviously shown he's athletic enough, but I think when you send him out there, that's right now that's obviously going to garner attention from staffs. Um, but if you look like a week or two prior, they did a similar uh, set formation, but it was Ben Sims. You know, mm -hmm. so I think that's something to keep an eye on um, is players rotating in there. But luckily enough for Baylor, uh, they have a lot of talented players that could do it. Uh, but, man, it was nice to see Doyle uh, step up and do that thing, man. Heck, yeah, man. And, and just hearing Doyle talk about coming to Baylor and his experience at Baylor, I mean, you just got to love the kid. And, and you love to see just how – that may have been the most excited the team has been after a touchdown when he, when he ran that in from fullback. Yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those things where, like, you work on it. You work on it in practice, and you know, like, like you have an idea of, man, if this works, but when it actually comes to fruition, you're not, you're not going to be able yeah. to hold anything back. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. And now the offensive line. The offensive line just been a complete revamp. Eric Mateos deserves just so much credit. And those guys across the offensive line deserve a lot of credit as well, you know, we rushed for over 300 yards, didn't give up a sack, only two tackles for loss here against BYU, a, a very good BYU defense. Um, but remembering back to when you were recruiting some of these guys like Galvin, like Byers, like Newman Johnson, you know, is this the production you were, you know, expecting or hoping to see from them finally? I think this is definitely what you were hoping to see, right? Like the writing was on the wall for those guys to be recruited by coach rule. Like, and you see what the success that that um, staff is having in the NFL. So if those guys believe in you, there's something there. Um, it's just, it's unfortunate. The, the circumstances that unfolded with COVID um, you have a coaching change. You don't really get to learn any of the scheme hands on last year. Uh, so you come into everything, you know, it's all brand new, limited time, and it just didn't work out. I mean, across the board, not just for the line in, in general, but the offense, obviously it didn't work out. Um, and then you have the, the coaching change, and it just – it was like a, a perfect match, you know, that like the, the yeah. calm before the storm. Yeah. And then what Coach Mateos has been able to do, he's kind of he's, – he's saw what we all saw on the recruiting trail, but figured out a way to get the most out of their guys. Mm. Uh, and he gets all the credit in the world, man. Yeah, for sure. He seem he sure seems like he knows the right the right buttons to press to get the best out of those guys, and and we're we're seeing it week in week out. And I'm excited to see how this offensive line group continues to grow because I think mm -hmm. 
the, the, the sky's the limit for them. So um, let, let's jump into some recruiting here now then. Um, and let's talk about this class of 21 that is on campus right now. I mean, is there anyone from this group that's been been getting some playing time? I think the one that's really stood out the most to me, and it's kind of been limited, uh, but it was a it was kind of awesome to see was Monterey Baldwin, right? Like This is the, the kid that comes over from Colleen Shoemaker, um, and he saw a lot of productive reps on special teams, uh, and he's seen some some good stuff on offense. Um, so I think he's the one I've noticed the most that was actually recruited by Baylor for 2021 class. Uh, but to, to as an overall, um, you got to consider the two transfers, right? You got to look at Apu and what he's been able to do. That's a 2021 kid, and you also got to look at Jacob Gall. Uh, I think that you know he has been perfect, you know, coming mm-hmm. over from Buffalo, learning that system on the fly. And it, what really, to me, helped him was he come in with a clean slate, like because everybody had to learn the wide scheme. So, so I think that's really helped him benefit. Uh, Drew Estrada, he's another one that you know he's come in, and, and Baylor was looking at him before he went to Dartmouth, mm. um, but you know he's been able to get some positive reps. I, I kind of curious with a guy like Hal Presley. Um, you know, he was initially fully committed to Baylor, backs out, flips, go to Aub- goes to Auburn, uh, then comes back to uh, and winds up on Baylor again. I think he's one to keep an eye on. Um, but those are the 2021 guys at the moment that have caught my attention. Yeah, yeah. And any, anyone else that you would kind of expect to see, maybe not this year, but, you know, we are going to lose some receivers next year. We are going to lose some defensive players there. Is there anyone that you see next year maybe making a big impact? I mean, I would love to see the receivers. I would love to see Seth Jones step up, you know, uh, Jackson Gleason. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that really come to mind. Uh, you know, some of the guys on the offensive line, um, I would like to see them. Tate Williams, you know, because yes. you know, looking at him, he was like a man child in high school. Great, And I yes. think there's going to be more of that curve coming from Wall. It's a 3A school. So obviously you're going to have to bulk up a little more, but he's got the frame. Um, I think – those are probably the ones right now that I'm really dialed in on. Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly dialed in on Tate Williams, man. I I, I want to see him develop and get a little bit yeah. bigger, that to get in that college size, that college frame, and, and see what he can do. I'm really excited about Tate. Um, and now let's talk about this class of 2022. Who are who who are you just most excited about in this class to see see in the green and gold? Man, okay, there's a few. Right now, I'm really intrigued by Richard Reese, uh, the running back from Belleville, a uh, three-star guy. He's putting up ridiculous numbers this Insane. season. Insane. Uh, it, it's crazy. I, I recommend anybody go follow him on Twitter. Look at his highlights. It, it's a sight to see. Um, I'm really excited for Kyler Jordan, uh, the edge rusher. He's coming out of Lubbock Cooper. Solid kid. He tore it up last week, had a, another big game. And Jordan Neighbors, he's another one I'm really keeping an eye on. I, I was kind of – I really didn't know what to expect. I knew he was good, but the production that he's been able to do on a consistent basis um, this year has been really impressive. He's considered as one of the top receivers in the DFW Metroplex, So, mm. and we know all the talent that's up there. Uh, those are three that come to mind initially uh, that I'm going to really think that people should – if you're not paying attention to them right yeah. now, go look at those guys because those yeah. are going to be impact players. Yeah, yeah. Go watch their tape, see what they're putting out there, and – I'm with you on Richard Reese, man. I'm just like, I'm excited to see what yeah. he's going to do, especially in this offense now. He's – and what is his size? He's kind of like a Tay, Tay McWilliams size, isn't he? Yeah, isn't I, he? Don't, I don't know the exact numbers off okay. the top of my head, uh, but he is. He's about like Tay. I okay. think he's a little more explosive. 
uh, which is you know crazy to say, but yeah. he's yeah. really, really dynamic, man. Mm. And now we are sitting at about 19 commits in that 2022 class. We had quite a bit of momentum kind of before the season started. Um, are we still looking to add more? What positions are we looking to add? I think you definitely – well, I mean, first and foremost, quarterback, right? Like like when you lose Zach Pyron, you yeah. definitely need to figure out where you're going to go there. But I would say linebacker. I, I really think that maybe if you got a guy, you, you really went after a Harold Perkins, you know, out of Cy Park. If you could get him, um, maybe Braylon Jones from Spring. Those are a couple of guys I would definitely keep an eye on uh, that you should dial in because their recruitment's wide open. And what Baylor has been able to do is definitely gaining their attention. Yeah, and that that loss that loss to Zach Pyron seemed to be. Um... Man, it's he seemed to be all in on Baylor and just kind of that dude. That's a weird deal. <laughs> the reason I'm saying this is traditionally when you think of Georgia Tech's office, right? It's the option. It, it's you're really not going to ask your quarterback to do very much throwing. I mean, other than when Calvin Johnson was there, I don't remember Georgia Tech ever throwing the football. Mm-mm. And uh, so maybe they're I don't know what they're telling him. I don't understand what went into that that decision, I think it's kind of odd, um, but you definitely need to, and that's the thing is there's not really that many quarterbacks available now. I kind of wish they would have gone after Kate Klubnick, the, the quarterback out of Austin Westlake. He committed to Clemson. I really wish they would have gone after him a little harder. I, you know, and maybe that's something behind the scenes. They really did, you know, it just didn't work out. I'm sure that's how it is. Um, but I would have loved to seen him uh, get a shot on campus. Yeah. So, well, you know, we'll see if Baylor ends up adding a quarterback there, hopefully um, getting drones in class of 21. You know, maybe it won't matter as much that if we don't get a quarterback in this class, if drones turns out to be the guy that we all want him to be. Well, that 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 too. And then if you say you, you use drones, you use shaping, um, you, know, you use those guys and you say, you know what, we're going to lean on them next year because that 2023 class, that's when you can pick up some good targets. Mm. And before we do get into 23, I mean, class of 22 ranked right around 33 right now. Um, do you see us moving up a lot or is that just kind of where we're, we're, we're going to fall in that 30 to 35 range? I think you're probably going to land there. Now, the weird thing about the rankings and don't get me, I'm not going to sit here and say rankings don't matter. Like being right, in the top 10 right. doesn't matter because obviously it does. Right. You see what the Alabamas do and you can stack four, four and five stars on top of each other, but that, not everybody can do that. Um, I think for Baylor and the reason they're always shown as, as in that middle, that, that 30 to 35 range is because they don't really get four stars. Well, th- the beauty of it is you bring three stars on, you build them. You don't have a lot of the me guys, you have we guys. And that's if you go back and look, I mean, when Baylor really started making a name for himself, surging under brows, that's what they were doing. They were getting those three star guys, the guys that, you know, nobody wanted or whatever. And, develop them you get older and you get deeper and I think that's going to be the same so that's why I really when looking at Baylor I don't put that much of an emphasis on can we climb up the rankings because I know you got the right pieces in place and the right staff uh, to develop those guys yeah yeah as we've seen as we've seen and now this class of 23 only got two commits right now but Isaiah Crawford, he is graded at about a 93, which would actually be our best recruit of the 22 class. Tell us a little bit about Crawford. Crawford's a, he's a dynamic playmaker, right? And the, the tricky thing with him, 
Um, and you can draw plenty of parallels throughout the years to different recruits as he's playing at a two-way school up in post. And he's literally doing everything for the Antelope. <laughs> everything. So it's hard to see what he's going to be able to do once he makes that transition. I think he definitely has the frame. He's got the athletic ability. Uh, but if you, it's going to take – you can't ex- – he's one of those players where you can't say, okay, you're graded at a 90. You're going to come in here and make an immediate impact. I think he definitely needs to be – and the beauty of it is – you got those four games now that you're able to play before yeah. you lose a red chart. He's going to be one of them. And I think that's what happened when we were talking about Monterey Baldwin earlier. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a similar situation where you might see him on special teams, you know, get those reps in, but at the same time, he needs that, that extra red chart to develop. Uh, but he, he really can uh, turn out to be a good player. Yeah. And who, who are we tar- who, Who's our biggest target of that class right now? Well, he, I would say if you're looking at the targets, I'm going to start quarterbacks because of what we were just saying, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, so I'm looking at a guy like Jackson Arnold, uh, the four-star quarterback from Denton Geyer. Uh, he really got thrown on the, the main stage as a freshman in the state championship game uh, when Eli Stowers went out. Uh, he stepped in. They weren't able to get the win, but he looked solid. Um, I think if you look at a guy like Austin Novosad, three-star quarterback from Dripping Springs, uh, he's he's more of your um, he's got a lot of similar traits to Gary Bohannon. Uh, he's not really going to be, you know, he's smart. He's more of a game manager. When I look at mm-hmm. Bohannon, I was thinking about this earlier. I'm sorry, it's hot track, but I was looking at no, Bohannon. No. It, it reminds me of you remember the when Alabama first started winning and you had like AJ McCarron, uh, Greg <laughs> McElroy. Yes, solid defense and yes. and you had Mark Ingram. That's kind of similar to what you're seeing with with Baylor, I and it. I think that's what with what is working with Bohannon, and I think that's the kind of the, the same skill set that you would get with a guy like Austin Novosad. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other players, I would say key targets: uh, Christian Brathwaite, the four-star linebacker of Cy Ranch. Uh, you already have connections in that school when you had uh, Noel that committed to you a, a few years back, and a guy like DK Kalu. Uh, you bring him in from Ridgepoint, three-star defensive lineman. You get him in that scheme, I think he could emerge like we're seeing Garmin Randolph do this year. Mm. And any local guys that we're looking at that maybe uh, we could get out and see play? This is the beauty of it. Um, for the longest, it, it was hard to find the local products. Like, they would go down to Temple, and you would get your your, your guys out of Temple. Yeah. Um, you had a few years there where they were getting the guys out of Midway, uh, even Billings, that, you know, the one time coming out of Waco High. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I would say Temple is still a hot spot, right? You look at a guy like Mikel Harris, a pilot, um, uh, and then um, York. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his first name, uh, but he's he's another solid player there. Uh, and then you go back into Colleen. Uh, you got a guy like Jaden Chapman, the three-star offensive lineman at Harker Heights. Uh, he's somebody that if you brought him, he's big, man. If you <laughs> if you brought him in here, uh, I think he could do some things. And then you have uh, Trey Wisner. Uh, he's a running back at over here at Conley in Waco, four-star guy. Oklahoma's okay. looking at him really, really hard. Wow. Uh, but I, that's one of those where you've already had some guys come out of Conley before at, that went to Oklahoma State. You don't want to let that slip away. Those, those yeah. are the guys you need to lock down. If, but, that's, but if they fit your system. Um, sure. So I keep an eye on him. And then this past Friday, I was out at Marlin. Uh, they have Darian Gallette. This kid is – Phenomenal. And he, he's another one kind of like Crawford where he does not come off the field. Yeah. Um, and they, Baylor's looking at him as an edge rusher over, um, they, Marlon uses him at the linebacker position. And also he's their leading receiver. 
So you're wow. talking about Dylan Doyle. Okay? <laughs> that was about dude. That's my immediate thought process. That's crazy. Like, you see this, and he's got that same type of skill set where you could use him as a utility player like that if need be. Um, those are some of the local products right now. If you want to get out there, I would definitely say go watch. Uh, oh, I almost missed one. Micah Hudson, ladies and gentlemen, Micah Hudson from Lake Belton High School, mm. a four-star receiver. He's a sophomore. This kid, I think he'll be in the NFL, man. He, I, oh, I, wow. I, I get to see him every week. I cover him with the, the Belton Journal, and he's I, he's got his Baylor gloves on. He's oh, out that's there awesome. dude, out jumping everybody. Uh, those are some of the, the local products that I would definitely recommend getting out and watching. Awesome. Awesome. And man, what, what excites me kind of about going for the, you know, you mentioned the two, a, the three, a guys is that, Hey, Abram Smith Absolutely. was that linebacker last year. Now he's that running back. You can trust this coaching staff to put these players in a position to be successful. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's great to see, man. They, they know what to do with these guys and they get everybody to buy in. And I think yes. that's the beauty of going back to Dylan Doyle and his speech all those guys are genuine. They're selfless. And it, it, it's really me. It, it's a team oriented uh, thing. It, it's, it's awesome, man. I love that. I love that. And just as a general recruiting, it, has the momentum picked up a little bit now that we're playing so well? Yeah. I mean, I think you're garnering more attention. Uh, you know, a guy like a Jaden Chapman, I was just mentioning from Harker Heights, um, you know, they start considering Baylor more when, when you see the production along the offensive line, uh, it, winning is a cure-all, right? Like, you're going <laughs> to definitely get, get the attention. For and when sure. you see the success that they're having in just, I guess, let's, let's be real. Let's call this year one. This yeah. is essentially year one. Um, yeah, it, it's going to get the attention of people, and they're going to want to come play. But you're always you're going to have those guys um, that, that look at, that get sold on the, the nonsense of a brand. I'm not getting into any specifics, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and then they, <laughs> something ends up happening and they're in a transfer portal a couple of years later. What, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that you kind of deal with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Any uh, any big visitors we got coming in for UT, maybe OU? Um, that's uh, kind of like a work in process. We're, okay. We're work in progress right now with the off week. I think you're going to see more and more come in. Coach Aranda had mentioned uh, the other day after the post game that he's going to have guys uh, on the out at high school games live. This is really the first opportunity since the offseason to do that. Um, so I think once that happens, we'll have a better idea probably Sunday afternoon of who to expect coming into town for those games. Cool, 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 cool. Well, hey, Garrett, that is awesome information. I'm not one that I try to keep up with recruiting as best as I can, and I think most fans are in that same boat. So we sure appreciate you coming on and, and laying it out for us. Garrett, thanks for joining us. Hey, I appreciate you having me, man. Baylor is on a bye week, but we will still do Big 12 picks. Last week, I went 3-2. and two. I hit on Baylor minus 6. I hit on Oklahoma State plus 5.5. And, and I hit on OU minus 13.5. Where I was wrong, though, I took Kansas plus 16.5 playing Texas Tech. Tech won 41-14. Then I also thought Kansas State was going to play a little bit better against Iowa State. I took Kansas State plus six and a half points, but Iowa State ends up winning 33 to 20. So went three and two last week. 
which brings my total to eight and nine. I am almost 500. So let's see if I can make it up this week. OU is going to Kansas. I'm going to take OU minus 38 and a half points. I'm done picking Kansas to cover. Kansas State is visiting Tech, and Kansas State is getting one point, and I am taking Kansas State. I think they're going to bounce back, and look, I, I still don't think Tech is very good. Oklahoma State goes to Iowa State in what is probably the best game of the weekend, and Oklahoma State is getting seven points. So you better believe I'm going to take plus seven for Oklahoma State. I think this is a very, very close game. Probably comes down to the last possession. And then finally, West Virginia visits TCU. I'm pretty interested to see how this game goes to see if TCU is starting to turn a corner. I think they are. So I'm going to take TCU minus four and a half points. Also, I do not trust the West Virginia offense. Well, that wraps up another episode of Please Bear With Me. Thank you to Garrett Ross for bearing with us today. And thank you, the listener, for bearing with me through this first half of the season. I put out a Twitter poll. Halfway through the season, your Baylor Bears are ranked 20th, are bowl eligible, and have two wins over ranked opponents. How do you feel about this team? We will win the Big 12, make the championship game, finish third, or just happy to be bowling. 36% said finish third with 30% saying we'll make the championship game. And I am right there with you. I think those are two of the likely outcomes based on how we've been playing. Hopefully we end up making that championship game and see what happens from there. But hey, if we finish third, in this Big 12, that is a huge win, especially after the year we had. And hey, we'll see what happens. I hope you guys enjoy this bye week. Get some rest because we need everyone to be loud here in two weeks when the Longhorns come and visit the Baylor Bears. But until then, Sikkim Bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.